The third reading today is taken from John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, was one of the twelve. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Well, a very um, warm welcome there. Add my welcome to, uh, to Claire's to uh, this Easter service and let's pray uh, together before we come to reflect on this passage just for a few moments now blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed almighty god our heavenly father please help us today to believe in the resurrection of the lord jesus christ and thereby know his resurrection life for ourselves amen well, even though uh, Easter week itself may have passed, we are actually still in the 50-day period of uh, uh, Easter, uh, from Easter Day to uh, Pentecost. And Easter is a time where there is this contrast of light and darkness. And I know we all feel that the world certainly feels like quite a dark place at the moment. New atrocities are revealed daily in a war at the heart of Europe, something that few of us could even imagine in our lifetimes. And many of us are still struggling with, or just coming out of, the, the grief and the suffering of this COVID pandemic from the last two years. And, and we long for some light, don't we, in the midst of all this darkness. Well, today I want to try and persuade us that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that light that can give us real hope in the darkness of the world around us. And to do that, I just want us to notice two things from that third reading that Manira just read. John 20, verses 24 to 31. That famous passage where the Apostle Thomas meets the risen Jesus Christ. And I want us to see two things from this passage. The, the evidence for the resurrection of Christ and the life that his resurrection can bring to us. So first, let's just have a little look at the the evidence that we see uh, in this passage. Because in Thomas, we have someone who actually saw 
the risen Christ. But why is it that the, the Gospel writer John makes such a big thing about Thomas? He singles him out for special attention. And I think it's because Thomas is so sceptical before seeing the risen Christ. In verses 19 to 20, uh, in the previous reading, John records that there's this group of uh, disciples that see the risen Christ on the first Sunday after uh, his death. But then in verse 24, we discover that for some reason, Thomas wasn't part of that original group that saw the the resurrected Christ. We don't know why. Perhaps he was up to some Sunday night activities at home. I I don't know what you do on Sunday nights. Perhaps you read the newspapers. Perhaps you uh, tidy your sock drawer. But but just imagine how cross you would be if you realised that you just missed out on what's possibly the greatest moment in the history of the world because you were doing your ironing. Or something like that. Anyway, in verse 25, the disciples tell Thomas that they've seen Jesus. But Thomas, in reaction, is adamant that he's not going to believe in the resurrection of Jesus unless he sees physical evidence for himself. So verse 25, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. But then we see, in verses 26 to 28, his scepticism is transformed to belief. Well, how? How does that happen? Well, Jesus gives him exactly that physical evidence that he's asking for. He's convinced by the the very physical evidence standing right in front of him in that moment. And that's the first thing I I think we must notice about this account, is that Thomas is a a sceptic who then believes on the basis of evidence. See, the resurrection of Christ is not presented by by John or, or any of the other New Testament writers as this kind of nice spiritual idea for, um, uh, for, for wishful thinkers. But it is presented as a historical fact for everybody. Christian faith is not about believing things despite the evidence, but actually because of the evidence. And that's what John is saying to, to us, his readers, in verse 31. He's, this is directed absolutely to us now reading it. To paraphrase verse 31... I've recorded these signs, including the resurrection of Jesus Christ, so that you might believe. But, but, I, I, hear, I can hear you saying, okay, I can see this account is claiming that Thomas was convinced uh, by the evidence, but here we are, 2,000 years later, reading this second-hand account. How can we be sure that Thomas is actually a reliable witness for us? Well, first, we need to realise that just how alien a concept this resurrection of the Messiah was in the Jewish belief system of the time. Because the Jewish literature of the time that we have shows us that there was was only a belief in a sort of general resurrection of all people at the end of time. There was no expectation of any kind of individual resurrection in the middle of history, including that of a Messiah. Thomas and the disciples weren't expecting a resurrection. In fact, quite the opposite, and you can see that from all the gospel accounts where they treat the, the reports that the women bring back of the empty tomb with complete scepticism to start with. If you were setting out to try and convince someone and sort of make up an account that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah at the time, you would not have chosen 
his resurrection as your key proof. Second, we've got to reckon with the fact that these disciples were transformed, like Thomas here, from dejected sceptics to, to, to people who were kind of fearless proclaimers of his death all over the Roman Empire and his resurrection. And it, it stretches credulity, I think, beyond limits to think that these people spent the rest of their lifetimes preaching, and in most cases dying for, a message that they knew to be a complete fabrication. What we have here with Thomas the disciple is reliable eyewitness evidence to the resurrection of Christ. And we can also know that that's now been handed down reliably to us 2,000 years later. These gospel accounts were written down within the lifetime of the eyewitnesses. They were, they were publicly attested accounts. They could be cross-checked by people who were still alive at the time and discounted if they were fabrications. And we also have tens of thousands of manuscripts stretching from that time down the centuries that show that those original accounts have been reliably transmitted to us. So here's our first reason this afternoon for finding the light of real hope in the resurrection of Christ. It really happened. And we have this reliable eyewitness testimony that we can actually put our trust in. The evidence is there if we want to examine it. And perhaps that's something we might consider doing for the first time this Easter or doing it again if we just haven't thought about these things for a long time. During May here in Parliament, we'll run a three-session course where we're going to do exactly that. We're going to look at the evidence for the resurrection of Christ in more detail and what the life, death and resurrection of Christ mean for us today. And if you'd be interested in doing that, the There are further details at the back of the service sheets. The second thing I want us to notice from this uh, passage is that it is the life that the resurrection of Christ can bring to us. At the end of verse 31, you'll see that John says, by believing in the resurrected Christ, you can have life. You may have life in his name. And from the very beginning of John's gospel, John has been explaining what this life is. It means a variety of things. The first thing it means is that it actually means forgiveness of sins and deliverance from God's judgment. And Jesus explains throughout uh, the gospel that he'll bring forgiveness and deliverance by laying down his own life for his people, like a, a shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the thing about his resurrection is, is that it proves that this... This death was not full of sort of empty, empty promises. But actually, it proves that those sins really were paid for. The penalty of sin, death, clearly couldn't hold him. It means that the job was actually done. The resurrection, if you like, is God's stamp in history where it says paid in full. Our sins are paid for in full. Whoever we are, wherever we've been, whatever we've done... Today, we can know that our sins truly are forgiven because he died and because he rose. And perhaps that's something that we need to hear this Easter. Secondly, this life means eternal life. Life uh, of beginning to know God in this life and that lasts into eternity, beyond physical death. I don't know if you saw it, over Easter there was a Sunday Times uh, magazine cover uh, of uh, Jeremy Clarkson 
basically coming to terms with his own death and the fear that he has of death. And uh, in it, he, he, he admits very openly and honestly that he doesn't have any hope for a life beyond this one. At one point, he writes this. It's not that I believe that I'm going to a better place. I don't. I know I'm going to be in a hole where I shall rot, and I shall be there forever, or at least until a property developer decides he needs the graveyard for a new housing estate, and then I'll be landfill. <laughs> but in, in all seriousness, perhaps he sums up how many, how many of us feel now in, this, in secular Western society about death. On, on the one hand, we seem to have this universal longing for eternity. We, 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 we struggle to believe that this life is all there is. So much makes us long for eternity. And yet, on the other hand, many of us, I think, feel like what Jeremy Clarkson is saying there. Oh, it must be just wishful thinking. But you see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in history is proof that our longing for eternal life isn't just wishful thinking. In Jesus Christ, we have an example of someone who has actually been through death in history and has risen to eternal life. And the amazing thing is, because he has been through death, because he has conquered death, he can bring us, he can drag us through death too. He has the power to do that if we put our trust in him. So the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that we can have life in his name. That means we can know that our sins are paid for, we can know the assurance of eternal life. And finally, the resurrection of Christ is proof of God's power to one day reverse all that is wrong in our world now, the darkness that we see around us. And that it's no empty promise. At the very end of the Bible, this same Apostle John writes in the book of Revelation about a whole world made new, where there will be no mourning, no crying, no pain, and no death. And the resurrection of Christ is proof now that that isn't some nice wishful thinking promise. It's a sign that it's true. You might, you might see it as a star shining in the darkness, reminding us that it's true. It made me think of uh, a moment, just at the, towards the end of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. There's a moment where Frodo and Sam, the hobbits, are they're right in the heart of the land of Mordor, in the midst of evil and darkness, and they're at their wit's end, uh, almost beyond hope. But then, Sam catches a glimpse of this star high up through the clouds above. And this is how Tolkien describes this moment. There, peeping among the cloud rack above a dark tor, high up in the mountains, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while. The beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Now because Jesus Christ has been through death in history, 
he has the power not only to forgive our sins, not only to give us eternal life in the future, but he has the power to bring new life to the whole creation one day too. And that in the midst of our present darkness, that is the true and great hope that Easter gives us. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus Christ rose bodily from the grave that first Easter. And we thank you for the eyewitness testimony of Thomas and many others recorded for us. And we thank you that his resurrection is a star shining in our darkness, promising the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and the final renewal of all creation. And we pray please, that we may know the blessing of believing in him this Easter. Amen.